Sometimes I feel like the proverbial Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, torn between two natures, two personalities, two ways of being. I love role-playing games. I have loved them ever since I was very small, and yet, because of these two seemingly opposed natures, I feel constantly conflicted. How can I reconcile these two characters within my one limited self? The answer, I believe, comes from embracing them both and bringing them into cooperation. This is Season 9, Episode 4. Two Ways, One Me. If you say Hello Rescuers and welcome. My name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost roleplaying hobby. The struggle is real. I am a conflicted gamer. For a very long time this conflict has held back my gaming experience. I've been unable to grasp many games long enough to carry them through to a satisfying conclusion and end to the emerging story. For perhaps the last five years I have chopped and changed my thinking so many times that I have spun myself in circles. And yet through it all, I have not lost faith. I have tried and tried and tried again. It has been both painful and glorious, and I am still wrestling with the question. This episode is a cry for help and a declaration of defiance, all wrapped up in a tight little bundle. I hardly know where to begin, so I'll begin with something that I read for the second time just a few days ago. I just reread Robin D. Laws's classic booklet published by Steve Jackson Games entitled Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering. The first paragraph got my attention. The second paragraph reduced me to tears. Quote, Game designers, yours truly included, are an egotistical, control-hungry breed. That's why we prefer to avoid contemplating a certain essential truth of the role-playing game. When you look at the various factors that determine whether any given group of players has a good gaming experience on any particular night, all of our efforts account for, at the absolute, outside best, maybe 30% of the equation. Our lovingly crafted rule sets, our peerless prose, the hours upon hours of playtesting, the painstaking research, the time we sweat away, messing with minor details on all of those freaking maps, all of it matters way less than we like to think. What really makes a difference in the success or failure of a role-playing session is you. Your participation, whether as a GM or player, has much more influence on the fun your group has than all of the game products in the world." End quote. I don't really know what it was that triggered the emotions I felt, but those words struck home hard. What really makes a difference in the success or failure of a role-playing session is you. Robin goes on, Quote, Rule books are not role-playing games, any more than a screenplay is a movie. The reams of material games companies produce provides but a blueprint for the real thing. 
The role-playing game doesn't start until a bunch of people sit down, open up their dice bags, riffle their character sheets, and wait for the GM to clear his voice and say, Okay, last week you'd all gotten into the escape pod and ejected yourself into the heart of a Glangiri nebula. This is both the blessing and the curse of the role-playing form. In a culture increasingly driven towards passive consumption of exhaustively researched mass-market entertainments, gamers take part in a form that not only rewards, but demands active participation. What happens on any given night may not be as polished or quickly paced as even a middling episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but it's great because it's yours. It's the active participation, the mixture that arises from the interplay between your thinking and your imagination that makes role-playing so vital and special, end quote. This booklet, published in 2002 and available in a third printing reissued in 2019, is one of the most influential and well-known guides to being a game master. It begins with the great immutable ironclad law, quote, role-playing games are entertainment, your goal as GM is to make your games as entertaining as possible for all participants, end quote. And then enters into the most famous section of all, Knowing Your Players, a typology of the players of role-playing games based on but developing Glenn Blackow's model from the 1980s. Player typologies always get me twitching. I think part of me rebels against simplifying human complexity into tight little categories, The other part of me senses the truth lying in each attempt to do so. I have a deep love-hate relationship with Jung's psychological typologies, for example, and this extends into the gaming ones. Laws' attempt resonates with me, both first when I read it around 20 years ago, but also today. In-game preferences and the emotional kicks each preference is seeking to experience. I am using Laws' terminology here. Seven player types. Power gamer, the butt kicker, the tactician, the specialist, the method actor, the storyteller, and the casual gamer. I'm not going to elaborate too much here, you can go and read the booklet for yourself if you want to know more, but my purpose in relaying this recent tale is that I generally self-identify as the tactician. Quote, The tactician is probably a military buff who wants chances to think his way through complex, realistic problems, usually those of the battlefield. He wants the rules and your interpretations of them to jibe with reality as he knows it, or at least to portray an internally consistent, logical world in which the quality of his choices is the biggest determining factor in his success or failure. He may view issues of characterization as a distraction. He becomes annoyed when other players do things which fits their PC's personalities but are tactically unsound. To satisfy him, you must provide challenging yet logical obstacles for his character to overcome. Except that I am and I am not that type. Laws himself suggests that most people are more likely a blend of these types, and that's certainly true of me, because I also feel the inner butt-kicker and power-gamer wriggling away inside me. It, It depends on my mood. I tend to see these types as being on a spectrum and that, most likely, we all exhibit behaviours relating to each type, at times, to varying degrees. I can behave like a storyteller or method actor if I focus on doing so. The point, I think, is to identify the default behaviours we exhibit when we are comfy enough to express what we really enjoy and want from a game. Or, more usefully, those behaviours we, as GMs, identify in the players at our tables. This is what Laws calls our emotional kick. What happens inside when we get what we came for? 
what gives us that little hit of dopamine and the buzz of pleasure. The discomfort for me was reading about which emotional kick Laws applies to tacticians, the one that applies to me. Quote, tacticians want to feel clever. Okay, I'm not sure I feel awfully good about that. And check out some of his later statements. Quote, tacticians may enjoy the challenge of mastering the quirks of a new rule set, so long as it provides a rigorous sense of logic and enough gritty detail to sink their teeth into. Tacticians tend to prefer familiar settings where their plans won't be thrown for a loop by weird facts of culture or physics. Tacticians thrive in systems that take power from the GM. They benefit most strongly from rule systems in which the game effects of various powers are tightly defined. They want to surprise the GM and easily overcome his obstacles. To a tactician, anti-climax is a good thing. A session in which the group risklessly circumvents every barrier placed on its path is the tactician's ultimate dream. Tacticians may enjoy policing your rules for violations of realism. Tacticians tend to distrust elaborately plotted campaigns because they feel they've been driven to a certain point no matter how adroitly they scheme. At the same time, they favour deeply detailed worlds that grow and change independent of PC actions. Tacticians are profoundly wary of structure. They don't want exciting climaxes. They want to plan so well that nothing interesting happens to their characters. To a tactician, the ideal conclusion is one in which the team gets maximum benefit for minimum risk. Tacticians crave long, uninterrupted periods of planning, which they consider to be the most interesting part of a game. They hate it when DMs disrupt their planning sessions by throwing in sudden action sequences. They couldn't care two hoots about mood or pacing. Ouch. Apart from bulking at the idea that I am desperately seeking to feel clever... The reality is that Robin Laws has me pretty neatly pegged, apart from that last bit about being wary of structure and dramatic climaxes. It occurs to me that what I enjoy most from role-playing games is deeply unfashionable. Because, it appears to me, the dominant player type in the publicly discussed fora of today is that of the storyteller. Quote, the storyteller, like the method actor, is more inclined to the role-playing side of the equation and less interested in numbers and experience points. On the other hand, he's more interested in taking part in a fun narrative that feels like a book or a movie than in strict identification with his character. He's quick to compromise it if it moves the story forward and may get bored when the game slows down for a long planning session. You can please him by introducing and developing plot threads and by keeping the action moving, as would any skilled novelist or film director. End quote. Tacticians and storytellers aren't opposites, but, well, we are, it seems, very different beasts. And yet, the bit of being a tactician that I think many miss is a simple statement Laws makes almost in passing. Quote, Tacticians favour deeply detailed worlds that grow and change independent of PC actions. And it's this last point that causes me the most angst. I want to play in a deeply detailed world that grows and changes independent of the actions of player characters. I'm just not sure that anyone else at my table wants that too. As a GM, I want to create a world that is worthy of what I want to experience as a player. That means detail. It means being grounded in familiarity and a sense of verisimilitude. 
but it also means a world that can grow and change no matter what the players do. It is deeply shocking to me that the storyteller treats the world as an incidental backdrop to the action of the story. One example was in reading the excellent Your Best Game Ever by Monty Cook, which asserts up front that role-playing games are all about telling stories. You can get almost halfway through the book before he even discusses the world or setting. It's very much less important than the characters and, of course, the story itself. This means that I get deeply uncomfortable when players turn up in my world with powered-up characters ready to blast away the inhabitants I carefully created, or insist on this or that specialist character type who may well not fit into the setting that I want to offer. I get confused by players who aren't interested in the world, but just want to explore their character's own internal conflict. Don't you care about the environment's impact on your so-called hero at all? While I can give the butt kickers a good fight and be social enough to know to leave the casual gamer alone, I am usually nonplussed by the expectation of the heartily paced plot in which the hero always overcomes. In short, internally, I will confess that I don't always really get other people's emotional needs. On the other hand, I do want to please everyone at my table. But I forgot about the good advice from Robin Laws. Dr. Jekyll is the tactician. Mr. Hyde is the deeply insecure, anxious child who wants to please his friends. In fact, he desperately wants me to be liked, and it drives me to do all the wrong things. Examples include running games that don't really interest me, or trying to fit myself into groups of very strongly typed players who don't really grok what I came for. In those situations, Mr. Hyde wants to become something that he's not. Often that is a method-acting storyteller to use Laws' typology. Do I want to identify with my character? Yes, certainly, but not at the cost of everything else in the RPG. Do I enjoy a good story? Certainly, but I don't actually care if it's paced like a novel or a film, and I have spent way too many years trying to be something that I am actually not. What I think I need to do is stop trying to be those other player types, but instead follow the advice, run games that acknowledge those different player types, and make my games more appealing to those folks by including opportunities for them to get that emotional kick from my adventures. It means being purposeful and systematic about knowing my players and watching what stuff really rings their bells and what doesn't. Quote, what really makes a difference in the success or a failure of a role-playing session is you. Your participation, whether as a GM or player, has much more influence on the fun of your group than all the game products in the world. End quote. I don't need to please other players. I need to allow them space to participate in the way that they would like to take part. None of these player types is right, wrong, better or worse. They just are. And they are different. And I genuinely do value difference, but I'm not always relaxed enough to enjoy it at the table, and I certainly don't always understand it. Oddly, I need to stop feeding Mr. Hyde the drug that releases my most base impulsive nature and recognise that Dr. Jekyll already has everything he needs to succeed and enjoy the game. I can go build a world, as long as I recognise that the majority of my players may not particularly care about the details and the consistency that I am offering. 
I can provide a well-structured narrative RPG experience that will satisfy most of what the storyteller wants. I can use node-based design and some tricks around pacing if that's what's needed. I will give the butt kickers butts to kick and the power gamers some cool abilities to play with. The method actors can noodle with their internal conflicts and, and interact with my NPCs no problem. I am fairly sure that I can find a way to adapt to the desires of the specialist in most of my worlds and, and the casual gamer is always welcome to hang out at our table. The deeper challenge is to rein in the deeply insecure baser parts of my nature that wants to be liked, to have its ego stroked and told how much it is loved. And it's not so much that this part of me is deeply irritating, although I am pretty convinced that it is, rather that it's this part of me that leads me down the path which compromises my integrity as a gamer in my own right. It causes me to flail around trying to accommodate this or that request or demand of the others who gather around me to play. Ultimately no one is happy because you simply cannot please all of the people all of the time. I'm not entirely sure of the cure, the path of recovery, but I am pretty clear that I need to stand up tall and proud, declaring what it is that I seek from the gaming experience. I am a tactician, first and foremost, and I am no longer ashamed to be in the minority. Make of that what you will. That's it for this episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support the podcast, there are a whole host of things that you could do. Most helpful of all, you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using. That will help to raise our profile. Alternatively, you could follow me on Twitter, at UbiquitousRat, and like or retweet episode announcements. Thanks to everyone who's doing that already. If you're on MeWe, you could look me up and connect, or you could find the Roleplay Rescue page and follow, again, emojiing or resharing episode announcements. There's also a private Roleplay Rescue group on there that you could join if you want to discuss stuff off-air. If you have comments, you could drop me a call-in via anchor.fm slash rpgrescue, or email me your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. If you're looking for more Roleplay Rescue, check out the blog at roleplayrescue.com where I randomly post quick thoughts and gaming stuff as the whim takes me. If you want to buy me a digital coffee by way of thanks, why not drop by ko-fi.com slash cwebster. And finally, if you want to support the show with a little pocket change on a regular basis, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you to all of my current patrons for their patient and long-standing support. Links to all of these places can be found in the show notes. Thanks to TJ Drennan for the main theme music and stingers. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast to a huge range of podcatching services. And thanks to you, the listener, for lending me your ears. That's it until next time. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on. Game on.